0: And now, Thriller Thursdays, on the Mutual Audio Network.
1: The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended.
2: The Mysteries of Dr. John Thorndike. Thorndyke is the original fictional forensic detective from the early 1900s. Using science to aid the art of detection... To bring criminals to justice. This time, presenting The Stolen Ingots, written by R. Austin Freeman. Adapted for radio by Heather Elliott.
3: Quite an interesting little problem Mr. Hale presented us with, but not much on our line. It really is a police case. I don't know why, I Accept it. Hmm, curiosity. Where do you propose to begin? At the beginning, Jervis, we'll take the train down to the port in Bellhaven and pick up the thread at that end.
4: What thread? A case of gold ingots was stolen from an office at the train station in Garbridge. We should be going to Garbridge first.
3: Well, that was the center of its journey in England. The ship had landed in Belhaven from Africa and was taken by train to Anchester. I know it started in Belhaven. But what else do you expect to learn? Uh, There are several curious possibilities in this case, as you must have noticed, Jervis. Uh, The question is, which are probabilities? I want to settle those before going into a detailed investigation.
4: Personally, I would start an investigation at the scene of the robbery, but I presume you have something else in mind?
0: How can I help you this morning, gentlemen?
3: Dr. John Thorndike at your service. I'm handling an investigation into missing gold ingots that pass through the port on their way to Minton and Borwell Jewelers in Anchester. You're a representative of the shipping company or the receiving company, Doctor? Yeah, a private firm on behalf of the insurance carrier on this shipment, Mr. Halethorpe of the Sphinx Assurance Company.
0: I heard something about a robbery in the paper, but didn't make the connection to the port. What specifics can you give me?
3: The gold was shipped from Accra and landed here at Belhaven from the steamer lavati. The jewelry company's agent at the port signed off on the shipment. I'd like to make certain, if I can, that the gold bars were really in the case when those agents delivered it to the consignee's agents. I
0: oh, see. You want clear evidence that the bars were in the case when it left here. Well, I think we can satisfy that easily enough. Bullion is not a customable commodity, but it does have to be examined and reported. I was unaware of that. Most people aren't. If the gold is consigned to the Bank of England or the mint, the case is passed through with the seals unbroken. But any private consignments must have their seals broken and the contents of the case examined.
3: Would it be possible for us to have a few words with the officer who opened the case? You know the legal preference for personal testimony.
0: Of course, of course. First, here is the report on the case of gold bars from the Labardi. When you're finished with it, I can take you to the officer who signed off on it.
3: Well, what
4: do you hope to find in the report? Uh, Take these
3: measurements down for me, Jervis. Um, Ready. Uh, Here's the case. Uh, Thirteen inches long... 12 inches wide and 9 inches deep. Uh, That's the outside measurements. Uh, You got that? Yes. Gross weight, uh, 117 pounds, 3 ounces. uh, Contained 4 bars of gold with the aggregate weight of 113 pounds, 2 ounces. Anything else? Uh, The case itself weighs the difference. Uh, That would be 4 pounds, 1 ounce. Uh, And and the customs officer who signed off is uh, Mr. Byrne. Byrne? He should be on the wharf.
0: Byrne,
4: have a minute. Mr. Byrne doesn't look pleased with the interruption.
2: I'll, I'll see you cataloging four and a half thousand cases of Madeira wine.
4: I'm so sorry.
3: I have just a few questions and we'll be on our way, Mr. Byrne. You signed off on a case of gold
0: ingots coming from the Labade two days
3: ago. I I did. Now, I understand you weighed the bars separately from the case. Yes, I
2: did. Now,
3: did you weigh each bar separately?
2: No, I did not.
3: Well, what was the appearance of the bars? I mean, their shape and their size. Is where they have the usual type?
2: Well, I've not had a great deal to do with bullion, but I should say they were just ordinary gold bars, about nine inches long by four wide and about two inches deep.
3: Ah, very good. Now, was there much packing material?
2: No, very little. The bars were wrapped in thick canvas and jammed into the case. Not more than half an inch clearance all around. Uh, Outside of the case was strengthened with iron bands.
3: I see, Mr. Byrne. Now, did you see the case after you closed it up?
2: I did. It was all ship-shape when I passed it back to the Labati's mate. And I saw him hand it over to the consignee's agents, so everything was in order when it left the wharf.
3: Uh Ah, well that's all I wanted to make sure of. Oh, thank you so much for your time, Mr. Byrne. Well, so much for the customs office. I'm glad we went there first. We've picked up some useful information.
4: Have you? We've confirmed the case was intact when it was handed over to the consignee's agents. Shall we head to garbage next?
3: Uh, Not yet, Jervis. Uh, There are a few more details I should like to fill in. Would we be able to speak to the shipping agents? I have a note from the insurance carrier with permission to
0: inquire. It's not far from here. I'll stay around for your sake. He's a bit surly most days.
3: <laughs> Much appreciated, but not necessary.
5: <laughs> You've come about that bullion that was stolen. Well, it wasn't stolen here. Hadn't you better inquire at Garbridge where it was stolen?
3: Well, I'm just making certain preliminary inquiries. Now, as to the bill of lading, who has that, uh... The original, I mean.
5: The captain has it at present, but I have a copy.
3: Uh, If it's not too much trouble, could I see it? (laughs) If
5: you insist.
3: Ah, thank you so much. I I suppose you have a copy of the ship's manifest as well?
5: Yes, but the entry in the manifest is merely a copy of the particulars given in the bill of lading.
3: I understand. I I should like to see the manifest, if it's not troubling you
5: too much. But the manifest contains no information respecting this parcel of bullion, except for the one entry, which has been already copied exactly from the Bill of Lading.
3: I realize that, but I want to look it over. All the same. Uh,
5: There, sir. That is the manifest. This is the entry relating to the bullion you're inquiring about. The rest of the document is concerned with the cargo in which I presume you're not interested.
3: (laughs) Most certainly, but thank you, sir.
5: If you're going to read the whole thing, I'll ask you to excuse me. Uh, I won't be that long. What are you looking for? Oh, Jervis, you know what I'm looking for. I'm afraid I don't. Good God, sir. What possible bearing on this robbery can that parcel of ivory have? Do you realize they're still in the ship's hold? still in the ship's
4: holds? Well, I'm not surprised, since they're consigned to London. Gum-couple? Case of quartz specimens? case of six-inch brass screw bolts. Beniseed? Cola nuts? I'm sure there's a reason to have the descriptions of packages and their contents, gross and net weight, dimensions, names of consignors and consignees, and ports of shipment and
5: discharge. There must be, or you wouldn't be taking note of them. <sighs> Finished? Is there anything more, sir? You don't want to examine the ship, for instance?
3: Oh my, is the ship still here?
5: Yes. Uh, She finished unloading here at midday today, and will probably haul into the London docks tomorrow morning.
4: Well, you've collected a vast amount of curious information, but I'm hanged if I can see that any of it has the slightest bearing on our inquiry. (laughs) Jervis, you astonish me. Why, my dear fellow, it stares you right
3: in the face. When you say it, you mean <laughs> I mean the leading fact from which we may deduce the modus operandi of this robbery. Look over my notes and sort of the data we've collected. I think you'll find them
4: extremely illuminating. Oh, I doubt it. Hmm. Aren't we wasting a good deal of time? Hillthorpe wants to get the gold back so his company doesn't have to pay the 5000 pound insurance money for it. He doesn't want to know how the thieves contrived to steal it from a locked office.
3: I think a clear understanding of the mechanism of the robbery will prove very helpful.
4: Mechanisms? Like how a case of gold, very heavy gold, I might add, was removed from the office through an unlocked window and replaced with a dummy case. Mm. Imagine the shock of the jewelers to find their gold replaced with lead pipe. Hailthorpe said the label and other shipping marks were correct.
3: But the seals were just plain wax. The dummy case was prepared in advance, so someone familiar with the shipments is likely to be involved. It's no use, Thorndike. I can not see the faintest glimmer of
4: light in your data.
3: It isn't of much consequence. The practical part of our task lies at hand, and that may prove to be the difficult part. We have got to recover those bars, if humanly possible.
6: I rather expected to see you here, sir. We heard that Mr. Hailthorpe had consulted you, but this isn't the London train.
4: No. We've just been to Belhaven.
6: Belhaven? Just to be sure the bullion was in the case when it started. I could have told you that two days ago. We got on the customs people at once. That was all plain sailing, but the rest of this isn't. So
3: no clue as to how the case was taken away?
6: Oh yes, that's pretty clear hoisted out through the station master's office window, and the dummy case hoisted back in. The same night, two men were seen carrying a heavy package about the same size, taking it out towards the marshes, if I recall. But from there, the stuff seemed to have vanished into thin air.
3: I would imagine the easiest way to escape detection would be to get the crate to a ship on the river.
6: Our people are on the lookout for it in varying likely directions, and I'm staying here with a couple of plainclothes men. I have a feeling it's still somewhere in this neighborhood.
3: I will say, gentlemen, this is an ideal
4: place for a bullion robbery. Whoever had picked garbage did their research. I see what you mean. From the bridge, you can see the whole area. A tidal river near the sea, and networks of creeks on either side.
6: Any one of those can hide a boat, or the case could easily be sunk below the tide marks.
4: Have you heard of any strange
3: craft having put in here?
6: Yes, there's a little ramshackle cutter from Lee, but her crew are definitely not Lee men. Two men. They've made a mess of their visit. Got stuck in the mud on the top of the spring tide. She'll be there until next spring tide. (laughs) Hmm. Very curious. I know what you're thinking, Doctor. I've been over her carefully, and I'll swear the stuff isn't on her. I had the ballast out, emptied the small hold, and the chain locker. Uh, Look over there. What about that barge? She's a regular trader here. Her skipper. And his son are from here. Respectable men.
4: Looks like they're taking their small boat and making for the cutter. What are you watching? Oh, the crew from the stranded cutter. Oh. Them blokes seem to be taking a passage along of Oldville Summers and his boy. Working their passage to it, would seem. But they haven't taken
6: anything aboard with them. You overhauled the barge, I suppose. Yes, went right through her. Nothing there. She's light. Not a place on board where you could hide a split pea. <laughs> Did you get her anchor up then? No, I suppose I ought to, but they're getting it up themselves right now. Anchor seems to be coming up on calm and heavy. Got foul of an old mooring,
0: maybe?
3: Uh, Badger, watch that anchor with your field glasses. It's out of the ground, now. Uh,
6: the cable is up and down and the barge is drifting. Something stuck on the anchor. Hello? There's a second chain shackled to the cable. And what's that on the anchor?
5: Looks like an old wooden case.
6: I want a boat. Now... This instant. All right. I ain't got no objection. Where can I get a boat?
3: Where do you think? The bakery? Or livery stables?
6: Look here. I'm a police officer and I want to board that barge. Where can I get a boat?
0: I'll put you aboard of her. If we can catch her. But I doubt it. She set off already. Looks like there's something going on
3: aboard her.
6: You get me a boat?
3: I'll come along.
4: He's right. Looks like a fight between the two crews. The sails are in the way. I can't see what's happening. She's drifting away fast. N- no, wait. It looks like someone is on the helm again. Who has command of the barge? Uh,
3: I haven't the faintest idea. What are we going to do? Uh, what can we do, Jervis? Inspector Badger is going to follow the barge. He won't overtake her, but the pursuit will prevent her from making a landing until they get into the estuary, and then he may possibly get assistance. Ah, uh, The chase is in his hands. Are we going with him? I'm not. This looks to be an all-night expedition, and I have appointments first thing tomorrow morning. Uh, Besides, the chase isn't our business. You're welcome to join Badger if you wish. I can look after the practice.
4: Well, I think I will, if it won't inconvenience you. It's still possible they might get away
3: with the gold. Quite, and then it would be useful to know exactly how and where it disappears. Yes, go with them, by all means, and keep a sharp lookout Jervis, you're back sooner than I expected. How did the chase go? Were you able to catch the barge? We've got the men and the case
4: of gold, but nearly lost them both. Ooh, sounds like you had an exciting day. Moments of excitement. A boat chased down the river is much less thrilling when you're the one rowing. (laughs) Yes, I wondered how that would turn out. By the time Badge returned with a boat, two fishermen at oars, and two of his plain-clothed officers, the barge had over two miles on us. We gave it a good go, but the tide running out was enough to suck the barge out, leaving us to fight against the incoming tide the whole way. Oh, that's unfortunate. That's an understatement. Badger was beside himself and kept trying to help Roe. We finally made it out, but the barge had disappeared into the west. Jervis, when was that? Just as the sun was setting. I felt bad for Inspector Badger. He had the men and the gold in his fingers, and they slipped away nearly slipped away, I believe you said. So, what
3: reversed your fortune?
0: Saved by the big guns. What do you mean? See that small steamship bearing down on us? It's a customs cruiser. They'll have the gear
6: to find old Bill Summer's barge. And they're fast enough to catch it. gold bullion, you say? Yes, sir. We've been chasing that barge that took the men
4: aboard, but lost them when the tide changed. Your description of this barge. Uh... uh according to the fisherman rowing us, she's a small stumpy, flying light, wants paint badly, steers at the wheel, green transom with the name Bluebell of the mountain covered at the bow and gilded. She seemed to be keeping along the north shore.
6: I'll see what I can see as we head that way. Wait, there's a stumpy in the line with the black tail spit buoy. Is that the one? Yes, that looks like it to me. I concur. Probably making for Scotland and Olay. Hmm, I'll bet she's bound for Benfleet Creek. Nice quiet place that, uh, for landing the stuff. When we approach, my men will board first and secure the ship, after which, scuttling yard question the crew, and search the hold.
4: So the chase resumed. Tell me more, Jervis. It went much faster with the customs cruiser. At length, the cruiser came fairly abreast of the barge, not unnoticed by the two men on deck. Then she sheered in suddenly and swept alongside. One hand hooked the shroud with a grappling iron and made fast. Prepare to board. And bold. Looks like the barge crew are going to resist. I should be over there right now. In due time. Oh, no. the customs man got a holiday hit in the face. There,
5: they've got them handcuffed.
4: That's for you, Inspector. Badger went down to the cabin and found the barge skipper and his son tied up securely with knit caps over their faces. And what of the gold? Well, the case was sitting right there on the table. The robbers and the gold were taken back to the customs cruiser, and Badger decided to stay with them when he learned that they were headed to the customs house in London. I was put off at South End Pier sent a telegram to Miller on behalf of Inspector Badger, and took the express train directly home. That customs cruiser was a piece of sheer luck. I'm delighted. This capture simplifies the case for us enormously. Seems to me to have solved it completely. The property is recovered and the thieves are in custody. But I think most of the credit belongs to Inspector Badger.
3: And I should let him have it all, Jervis. We'll go round Scotland Yard in the morning to verify the capture. If the package agrees with the description in the bill of lading, this case is closed.
4: It's hardly necessary. The marks were all correct and the custom seal's unbroken. I know you won't be satisfied until you've verified everything yourself.
1: (laughs) Told you, Badger! I knew the doctor wouldn't be satisfied until he'd seen it with his own eyes.
6: Good morning, Dr.
1: Thorndike.
6: Dr. Jervis, I suppose this is what you've come after? <laughs> yes, indeed. It's
3: a mere formality, of course, but
1: if you don't mind... Not in the least. It's over there in the corner.
3: Ah, Thank you. I, I see you haven't opened it yet.
5: No, why should we?
3: The custom seals are intact. I thought you might like to see what was inside. Uh, but we do
6: know. It was opened and checked at customs. What do you suppose is inside? I don't suppose. I know, there are four bars of
3: gold inside. Well, as the representative of the Sphinx Assurance Company who hold the insurance on the gold, I would like to see the contents of that case.
1: This is skepticism with a vengeance. How on earth is it possible to, never mind. I suppose if you're not satisfied, we should be justified...
5: Oh, just
6: open it and let him see the bars. And then I suppose he'll want to make an essay of the metal itself.
5: There. Four gold bars wrapped in canvas, just as they're supposed to be.
6: Are you satisfied now, sir? Or do you need to look at and measure the bottom of two bars? Well,
3: let me ask you this. Is that scale reliable? Correct to the ounce. Why? Step out of the way for him, would you, Jervis?
6: Well, 29 pounds, 3 ounces. Well, what about it? Lead. What? Nonsense. Look at it. Can't you see that
3: it's gold? I can see that it's gilded. But the thing is impossible. What makes you think it's lead? It's just a question of specific gravity. This bar contains 72 cubic inches of metal and it weighs 20 pounds, 3 ounces.
6: But you just said 29-3.
3: That's what it should be. If it were gold.
6: I don't understand.
3: May I cut a small piece off the bar?
5: Do what? I suppose under the circumstances. Hey, Badger? Yes, very well.
1: That's lead. No mistake.
5: The blighters have got away with the stuff after all.
1: Unless you know where it is, Doctor. I expect you do.
3: I believe I do, and if you care to come down with me to the London docks, I think I can hand it over to you.
6: Why didn't you tell me before I went chasing off after that damn barge, and you knew the whole time it wasn't on board? Oh, don't you see,
3: my dear inspector? These lead bars are essential to our case. They prove that the gold bars were never landed, and they are consequently still on the ship. That empowers us to detain any gold we may find on the Labadi.
1: They've landed the package you spoke of, Dr. Thorndyke. I've had it put in my office. Will you come in and have a look, gentlemen? This is your case, I think, but you better check it by the manifest. Entry. One case containing 17 and three-quarter dozen brass six-inch by three-eighths screw bolts with nuts. Hmm. Dimensions. 16 inches by 13 by 9. Gross weight, 119 pounds. Net weight, 113 pounds. Consigned to Jackson and Walker, 593 Great Alley Street, London East. Is that the one? Indeed it is. Then we'll get it open and have a look at those brass screw bolts. There.
6: It's just... Brass bolts.
3: Ah, gold bolts, Inspector. Did you ever feel a brass bolt of
6: that weight? Well, it certainly is devilishly heavy.
3: Its weight, as stated on the manifest, works out at well over eight and a half ounces. But a brass bolt of the same size would weigh only three ounces and four-fifths. That would mean the
1: aggregate weight is a hundred and thirteen pounds. And the weight of the missing
4: gold bars is a hundred and thirteen pounds, two ounces. That is an uncommonly good job at melting, to lose only two ounces. Has the consignee's agent turned up yet? He's waiting outside, hopping about like a pea
1: in a frying pan. I'll call him in.
4: They always run, the Guilty Ones. I'm glad I wasn't on that chase. Badger was thrilled to have finally got us, man. But what made you suspect a stolen case was a dummy in the first place?
3: At first, it was a matter of alternate hypotheses. The robbery from the station master's office, described by Mr. Halethorpe, was a very crude affair, planned in quite the wrong way. And noting this, I asked myself, what's the right way to steal a case of gold
4: ingots? Thank heavens, you're not a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: that's true, that's true. The difficulty of such a robbery as this is to get away with the booty before the robbery is even discovered, the longer the better. and. If you can delude someone into stealing your dummy you will have covered your tracks completely
4: because if they're caught all the tracks lead away from the original thief and if the hired man discovers the fraud when disposing of the goods he can't say a word without incriminating himself Yeah, indeed so i
3: had to make absolutely certain the gold bars were in the case when they left belhaven but not when i was talking to mr byrne When I did, it instantly became clear that the wildly improbable thing had really happened. The gold bars had already disappeared. How could you tell? Uh, I calculated the approximate size of the real gold bars. They would contain 42 cubic inches and be about Mm -hmm. uh, seven inches by three by two. The dimensions given by Mr. Byrne were impossible. Gold bars that size would have weighed 200
4: pounds, not 113 shown in his report. I'm surprised Byrne didn't notice the discrepancy. Isn't it rather off that the thieves should have gambled on such a remote
3: chance? There are not many customs officers who would have let it pass. It's pretty certain the thieves were unaware of the rigorous methods of customs officers. In any case, the next question was where had the gold actually gone to?
4: Was that why you were looking at the ship's manifest and writing down weights and measurements? Hmm. I suspect it was still on the ship. Oh, yeah. You suspected it was still on the ship. Exactly, Jervis.
3: In searching the manifest, I found the brass screw bolts within two ounces of the correct weight. But who sends brass bolts from Africa to London? Oh,
4: well, when you put it that way, that is quite odd.
3: Well, I found that by dividing the net weight by the number of bolts that each of those little bolts weighed over half a pound, if that was so, there was no metal other than gold or
4: platinum. They could be made of. And the ivory, the gum gobble, and kola nuts? Why were those on your list? Oh, purely for
3: entertainment value. You should have seen the shipping agent's manager's face as he tried to puzzle it out. It also masked my intentions.
4: Then you really did have the case settled when we left Bellhaven.
3: Well, theoretically, yes, but but we had to recover the stolen case, for without those lead ingots we couldn't prove the brass-gold bolts were stolen property.
4: How do you suppose the robbery was carried out? How was the gold got out of the ship's strong room? Well, I'd say it was never there.
3: The robbers, I suspect, are the ship's mate, the chief engineer, and possibly the purser. It most likely got squished out the minute it was put on board at Accra, and the gold melted down into bolts over the course of the voyage. Badger said the man they caught volunteered King's evidence. Then I'm sure we'll be summoned for the inquest, and then we'll see if my solution was the right one. It usually is,
4: Thorndike. It
2: usually is. The Mysteries of Dr. John Thorndike, written by R. Austin Freeman, adapted for radio by Heather Elliott. Starring Dave Johnson as Dr. John Thorndike, Roy Nessel as Dr. Christopher Jervis. Also in the cast were Brian Grote as Inspector Badger, Pete Lutz as Custom House Officer, Jim Galan as Superintendent Miller, William Mask as Old Fisherman, Stuarto Glasser as First Officer, Joseph McGuire as London Customs Officer, Kyle Collins as Mr. Byrne, and Bob Helling as Shipping Agent Manager. I'm your announcer, Ryan Barker. Sound design and dialogue editing, J. Charles. Produced and directed by Joseph C. McGuire. With financial support from Kim Abbey, members of the RTP Repertory Company, and Soundly, the sound effects platform. You can find this and other series at podcastplayhouse.org or wherever you get podcasts. This was a Radio Theater Project presentation.